Hey, everybody. It's Hi, the everyone. H word. It's H word time. Uh, I'm Becky. I'm Dan. How are you doing, Dan? Doing okay. Doing, uh, doing, uh, up, ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you with there. Um, yeah, I'm finding the ups and downs really big. The downs have been very low, and the ups have been a little bit too up sometimes. Oh, interesting. Like, like can't sleep up. Ah. Uh, kind of. Li- literally up. <laughs> yeah, up all night. Um, there's a, there's been a lot in the news. So much, so much in the news. Yeah, so much. Um, really overwhelming. And, um, I don't even know where to start. Uh, oh, we're doing two episodes this week, which is uh, okay. exciting. Good to know. Well, we're doing, this one's going to be Friday and then there's going to be one on Monday. So we are Well, happy have, Friday, everyone. Happy Friday, everybody. TGIF. I mean... We're not at Friday yet, so God knows what the news is. Um, let's see. Trump's holding some sort of neo-Nazi fascist rally in Tulsa. Um, yep. um, the story that I've been following um, is about DeAndre Campbell. Yep. Who um, was – this is in Peel region, I believe, in Ontario. Was shot dead by police after calling for help, a mental health call. And – Um, The police officer has refused to share his notes and doesn't want to cooperate with the investigative unit and is legally allowed to do that. Really? Oh, this is the uh, 501 protected law or something? I believe so. 550A or something like that. Right, right, Um, right. uh, uh, So, I mean, I don't know who our listenership is, but if there's anyone in Canada who thinks that the police aren't a problem here... Please look into this story and try to reconcile it because um, this is one uh, outside of issues of race here, which are present. Um, this is one that really hits close to home and ter- yeah. terrifies me, quite honestly. Absolutely. Imagine that you can just shoot somebody and never have to talk to anyone about it. Mm-hmm. How have we built a system where that is possible? It's uh, It's outrageous. Yeah. So that one's really getting me. That's a that's that's a very specific story from here. And when was DeAndre Campbell killed? Uh that I forget. Let me look it up. <sighs> because there's so much. It's just sometimes these things can take forever, so I just I forget if it was a long time ago. No, it wasn't. Um April 6th. Of 2020? I believe so. My God. <sighs> yeah, yeah. This is happening, and it's it's just absolutely it's, – it's, it's wrong, <laughs> okay? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wrong. I want people to hear that, <laughs> that, that this is happening, and that the police are allowed to do that and not have to tell, talk to anyone or – Um, so that's going on. Yes. Uh, I saw a, um, post from, uh, Twitter journalist, well, not Twitter journalist, a journalist, Justin Ling. He works with Vice. You know him? No. Um, he posted about, uh, the New York Times writing about Canada and just how it still continues to be like stories about Trudeau's hair. Like it's, uh, the, 
it's it's hard to I can understand that there's a challenge to taking our struggle as seriously as the United States when things like the United States the, the media just don't take Canada seriously like yeah but it's not helping the cause here to make Canada take Canada seriously that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I've had to watch myself in interviews with Americans because I keep going like when they, you know, they make jokes about like, it must be great up there. And I'm like, actually, um, and I, I, that's a hard one because I'm also like, you know, what people are experiencing in the States now is so big that if I'm doing an interview, I don't want to, I don't want to step on that. But right, it's right, just right. so, but the other side of it is that, like, if I don't say things, I just feel like. It's it's an internalized Canadian thing of what we try to erase about ourselves and forget so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We labor at it. Imagine how much free time you'd have if you didn't work that hard trying to feel like you were okay. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the instantiation. That's the that's the system. That's systemic racism. That's like telling yourself it doesn't exist is a huge part of it, and we see that blatantly in america also yeah and so seeing that in canada it's like yes there's something canadian about it but there is something there is something that wants to maintain the status quo about it yeah also yeah i my down times are real cynicism about what's happening right now um because just because i've kicked around for so long i know change is possible but i also know how hard and how hard people in power will fight to stay there and how fucking crafty they are at doing it yes yeah i uh i i've seen a lot of that like you know we we're seeing a lot of um white allyship both performative and real and uh people questioning how long that's going to last before um, there was a, a thread this morning I read about um, white backlash, which is like uh, there was a um, a black writer, I think he was a writer, and he was working somewhere and his boss, who was white, came to him and said, is there any, like, like how do you feel, essentially, was the question. And he was like, I feel so nervous telling, even explaining this to someone because I feel like it could be used against me. And then ultimately it was. He sort of mentioned that there was um, – that there was actually he was black, but it was about homophobia. And he was like, but it's the same. It's this we're dealing with the same thing, which yeah. is that uh, you know she was like, oh my god, there's homophobia here, like wow. And then like a week goes by, and and she was like crying like, in the meeting, and he was like, I had to console her in the meeting Ugh. that I had said that there was homophobia here. And then a week later, she had decided that there wasn't homophobia in the way that I said there was, and then I was I lost the job ultimately because I was she was mad at me for sort of insinuating that there was. And so this kind of like, he, he was like, I'm just feeling this come up of like, is I, I I'm at that precipice of like, there could be a backlash and, uh, Oh, just sort of, you know, hoping that they're hoping that things are strong enough in one direction. Maybe. I don't think it's possible for there not to be a backlash. I think we have to be vigilant about it because I also think that that sort of fragility is so ingrained in us. And I, I'm yeah. guilty too, but like, I think that it's, if we don't accept that we're doing this in conscious and unconscious ways, I mean, here's a case in point. Um, there's a production I worked with in Canada where I got let go and never invited back after an episode where I kind of wouldn't back down about the mistreatment of women in the writer's room. 
Right. And the events that happened were really bad, really like in, you know, being yelled at in front of everybody while I was crying. The person in charge now was in that room and didn't do anything about it. He's in charge of the show. He's a white guy and he thinks he's going to fix racism. Oh, like like now is talking about addressing yeah. the race problem in the room. Yeah, it's the same person who didn't do anything. Right. Never talked to me about how this was unfair or not uncool. And yeah. that was a job that was at the even still like financially I worked there for a month and it I would have been out of debt if I worked there for two more weeks. I made so much money. And I you know. The- Ultimately you, you believe you were let go for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. It was out of the blue. I was doing well. Yeah. So, and, and, and I don't... And, and, and uh, I don't understand if he knows that. I don't understand if he could even connect those things. Now, I am not trying to say that as a white lady, my problems are as big. But I am saying that, like, the pattern of what you're not realizing, and it's like, if I call you on your shit and you just are, don't want me around and I'm replaceable because I remind you of your shit, well, yeah. I've been in that position and I... And those same people are in charge. Yeah. I, uh, I I don't want to abdicate responsibility. I don't abdicate my own responsibility. But when I think about these large – like we're tearing down statues right now and it's great. And, yeah. And when I think about these large changes, I just think that diversity – like diversity stuff needs to be top down. It just seems yeah. obvious yeah. that it needs like to be step top down. down. Step down, yeah. Yeah, you just got to st- – it's time to step down. You can't fix this. I've I've had stuff this week where I've tried to intervene and like help and fix things and it's like I am not the right person to be doing this. I was called yeah. out and educated again, just like more labor from people who are already going through a lot and I'm really grateful for it. But like yeah, uh, that that's the lesson I guess from that experience for me was like I'm, I'm not here. I should not be. Yeah. And it's like – and it's like when we look at like – um abolishing police or whatever it's like you look at the things that are causing absolute harm and you don't see them as harm for yourself and but they are actually causing harm to other people and you're like okay so obviously we need to stop that and so like i think if the very least we could do is i I don't know i'm thinking about the entertainment industry because that's where i work but like you know, broadcasters or whatever, people of high power, it's like you need to, as if you're going to have gender parity on these th- situations, you need to have racial parity also. Like, yeah, and you're right about at it. At least top down. I mean, there's people in charge at Second City who are, there's people who I've worked under who are white people who I've found to be problematic and they're still there. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We have, there's a big town hall happening Friday, the day this comes out in the evening. So I don't know, uh, you know, I want to be hopeful about their ability to move forward, but it would take such gigantic structural change. We'll see. Um, I do have yeah. a hopeful. Please. Sandy Hudson. Mm. Sandy Hudson is one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter Toronto. Yes. She has just been so incredible at expressing so much in what must be extremely annoying and frustrating and upsetting circumstances constantly. I'm talking about her media engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, Follow her, listen to her. She's incredible. And um, there was, I I heard an interview with her just now, actually, on 
uh, CBC Radio, which is another institution I work at that's going to have to do some serious thinking and working and restructuring, I think. Um, I, I really also need my job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's also fucking everyone who's speaking out. It's really, really, really scary. Yeah. What are we going to do? Our industries have collapsed and I have a household to support, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, she was asked the question, and I can't remember the exact question that she was asked, but it was like, so when you say defund the police, like, what do you mean? You don't mean all of it, do you? You, What do you mean? And she said, I think there's a flaw in that question. And I'm also paraphrasing her. Um, the question that I want to put forward is to start with the question of what are the police doing right? Mm-hmm. Just so well put. Yeah. Anyway, um, something that I something that I have felt, and I don't know if this is my whiteness coming out, but like uh, something that I have felt is like, is there maybe a phrasing to be like, you feel like you, the white person, feels safe because of police, and you have a thing that makes you feel safe, and black people do not have a thing that makes them feel safe, so they don't have police in the way that you have police. But even so, the, her question works anyway. No, I, 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 I know. I'm just, I, I'm just. This is just my own thought that I've been having, and I think probably hers is definitely better. I'm not trying to like compete. Yeah, with yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, I just uh, had that thought and was like, "Am I ultimately saying we need police in some form?" But right. Anyway, yeah. What are the police doing right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, like and like. The res- hey. Yeah, the response to uh, Desmond Cole's response to the 10 percent proposal. Oh. Uh, so there was a proposal this week by two city councillors to reduce the Toronto Police Service's budget by 10%. And the response, which was instantaneous by Desmond Cole, was like, so what you're saying is that 90% of what they're doing is good. Yeah. Desmond uh, Cole, also a source of great hope. I mean, and also someone who's doing just like mountains and mountains of labor right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Absolute mountains. And my hopeful is uh, is the um, New York Times bestseller list for nonfiction uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's full of all of these black authors who've been writing about specifically white engagement uh, in race relations. And uh, all, so it's like all these people that I follow on different social medias are all posting the list. And it's like, oh, wow, you're all you all just made it on to the top 10 or whatever. Jeez. Yeah, well, the New York Times is a bit of a double-edged sword right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Guys, yeah. what are you thinking? Publishing op-eds of just screaming, like, militaristic – actually, not militaristic. Here's another thing. And I this one I do not know too much about. Um, you're talking about Tom Cotton. Oh, uh, yeah, we're talking about Tom Cotton for that op-ed. I didn't even want to say his name because, like, fuck him. But Oh, I thought you were continuing to talk. No, no, no. I'm – no, uh – a buddy of mine who actually I was going to have on the podcast and he got too busy, Matt Horgan from Atlanta. Um, he brought up a thing when we were talking. One of the reasons I wanted to have him on was because he's a white American from the South, but who has like knows the history way better than I do. But one of the things he said in our conversation that gave him hope was the American military. Interesting, right? And he's like, because I don't think that they will turn their guns on the, the types of neighborhoods that they came from. The military is not the police. And actually, we're watching this start to happen. The military yes. is rebelling against the president. And yes, I, wait, wait, is there a specific example of that? Um, yeah. Um, there's a few. They're speaking out. I'd have to look them up. Speaking out. Okay, yeah. 
yeah, there's like generals speaking out. Also, like all these, the, a bunch of like military units were deployed to to um, Washington D.C. and like went back to their bases. Uh, okay. And they've made really strong. I, I'm sorry, I'm being so vague and unspecific, but like there've been a lot of strong statements from leadership in the military that they are apolitical. Yes. And I don't understand the American military well enough, but I find it fascinating. And it was something that my buddy Matt brought up like weeks ago, where he was like, "I don't think the military will." We'll do this. We'll, we'll do what Trump wants when he's going to want to turn the military on the streets. So this is another interesting distinction. The military is not doing these things. The police are. Why? That's right. Is that like, let's, let's think about that clearly. Mm. Why are the military not doing this? Why did Justin Trudeau send the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, to break down protests here? Right. And not the army. And not the army. Now, I don't know enough about it, but this is something that I want to look into as well as I try to figure out if we're all going to get sick again. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot of reading to do. <laughs> There's a lot of reading to do. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone go read Desmond Cole's book. Just kidding. It's sold out everywhere. His book- you can get it on the library, right? Uh, oh, like on read it online. The book is called The Skin We're In, by the way. Yeah. Um. You can read it online or you can take it out from the library. I can't imagine the wait list on that isn't gigantic. Yeah, there might be a wait list, uh, but you can get digital ebooks. Oh, you can? Yeah, yeah. I don't use the library properly. I'll tell you all about it. Libby, guys. Check it out. Libby. <laughs> um, are you ready to hear this interview? Yes, please. I'm super happy to have done an interview with the absolutely wonderful Brandon Ash Mohammed. We talk about all sorts of stuff. Excellent. And here we go. Okay. Bye, Becky. (laughs) Bye, Dan. Hey, everybody. It's Becky. I'm back. And I'm very excited to be talking to a friend of mine from across the city. It's Brandon Ash Mohammed. Hi, Brandon. Hello. Hello. How are we? Oh, my God. Everything is happening. I need to turn off Facebook. Are you looking at Facebook right now? Yeah, someone just like sent me a message, a crazy message, and I was just like, oh, I can't I can't answer this right now, but I will tune in <laughs> later for this Facebook saga. Oh, there's a lot of sagas going on right now, hey? Yeah. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, all kinds of things. Yeah, I bet. I don't know. <laughs> it's a wild time right now. Yeah, it is. Um, and I mean, I... Even to sit down to record this, I had to walk away from just more horrifying stuff on Twitter. Yeah, I've just been like essentially calling people out all day for the last like two days almost. Um, after after all of because because we're both like Second City alumni and we've seen yep. we 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 saw that Dwayne Perkins post and then I was just like oh shit and now the CEO stepped down and yeah. Yeah, so for anyone listening who doesn't know, because, you know, Brandon and I know this stuff sort of from the inside that, I mean, honestly, I don't even know all the details. I'm still trying to read everything and figure it out because a lot of the information's on Twitter and it's sort of in these splitting threads that I'm not the best at navigating. But, I mean, basically in a way... Every institution has yeah every every like all of them, especially here in Canada, because I feel like we don't in Canada all the time they don't address 
the racism that happens here. It's always pushed on the Americans and seen as an American problem. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that right now, too. Um, I'm seeing posts on Twitter of, you know, black speakers being asked to Canadians being asked to come on CBC and being told, but only talk about the States. Yeah. We don't have time for the Canadian story, yeah. which is ludicrous. Which is ridiculous. And he's still, like, yeah. I was listening to Desmond Cole speak, and he was talking about how the reason why we, we don't deal with our racism is, can- is Canadian racism is seen as an afterthought in comparison to American racism, which is just kind of how Canada is with everything. It's like all yeah. Canadian stuff are seen as afterthoughts in Canada when put into comparison to America for some reason. Well, it's because it's deflective, because yeah. we don't, it's so much, it's exactly what we're being asked to do right now as individuals. Look yeah. at yourself, you know? I know that I've done all kinds of shitty stuff. Uh-huh. And I know that I've even, that I continue to do small things that aren't okay, and I really have to learn to look at that. But also as a country, we have to, and it's way easier to go, but look at that guy next to me, he's worse. Yeah. uh-huh. You know? And like, I'm fighting that in myself right now. Uh-huh. I, I'm frustrated, you know? And I keep going like, why am I sometimes watching white dudes get a pass still? Yeah. You know, in weird ways. There's a lot of feelings going on. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but back to the Second City thing again, just to fill in folks listening. um, There was, there were a couple of, there's sort of a period of time in Chicago when a bunch of events um, came to the fore there and were dealt with really badly. And this was sort of a, from my understanding, this was a time that sort of catalyzed and produce like documented events that could be talked about, but it's yeah. not like it's a new issue. Um, uh-huh, 100%. And, and, but this is like this time period that was like where the performers did go and communicate with higher ups and it's still the resolution. And it was still just wasn't dealt terrible. with, which is just like every institution ever. Like, I don't know. Some things like when I went to comedy school, I remember things happening to me. But I, a lot of like things like this, this is where my point was going. A lot of things like this don't get reported because we just feel like no one's going to do anything and we're just going to be seen as difficult. So we don't say anything. Like I remember when I was a teenager and I went to Humber and um, things happened and I just assumed, assumed nobody would do anything. So I never said anything. Yeah. And I mean, I've literally lost a job in the past year for speaking up about sexism. And mm-hmm. I'm a white lady. Oh, damn. Like, I know it's worse. And yeah, it, it was appalling and shocking that that would happen. But like, it's for that reason that I have to look at these things and say, uh-huh. I know that I know these stories are true, because I've experienced this as a woman, and it feels the exact same. Yeah. You feel hysterical and crazy sometimes, too. Yeah, you're just, like, being, like, gaslit. Like, I didn't realize, like, I until I read Dwayne Perkins' posts on Facebook or on, Inst- on Twitter, I didn't realize, like, oh, okay, this is not, like, like, I realized that this is not, like, a unique, like, my experience wasn't a unique experience. And also, like, I realized, like, what I had gone through. I, like, put two and two together then. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so what's happened is that the, uh, what's, what's his, what's Andrew Alexander's title? The CEO? Isn't he like the CEO or something? 
has stepped down. And like that, that was hard for me also because I really like him. But mm-hmm. I also then read the letter of resignation where he also weirdly said, like, I know that there was racism happening off stage, but kind of there never was on stage. And it's like, that's impossible. That's the stupid thing I've heard. I mean, and, and it really helped me, like, get rid of my apologist tendencies. Yeah. Of just being like, that's impossible. Like, if we've internalized racism to this extent, I know I'm perpetrating microaggressions on stage every day. Yeah. I have to be. You have to have the awareness that it's there to weed it out, right? Yeah. And, um, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. So, you said you've been calling people out, but you've also been posting these amazing um Yeah, I've been giving, history. like, a lot of historical context so people are not just like, oh, he's, like... Like, like shoving or not shoving, um, pulling this out of his ass. Like, I'm like, oh, this is an example of this. This has happened. If you don't believe me, you can look it up and you'll, I'm sure you'll find other things. So that's why I've been doing that. Yeah. So, um, also, do you want to run down like what your family experience is? Cause like, again, I'm realizing how much people don't understand about black Canadian experience or that it exists still. Okay. So, like, I'm first generation Canadian on one side. And then part of my other of my family is also black um, Nova Scotian, and mm-hmm. the black people in Nova Scotia go way, 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 way back. And a lot of them were essentially like freed slaves or not freed slaves, slaves that ran away and settled there. There were black loyalists, and a bunch of them settled communities. One of the communities was this. Um, town called Africville, which not a lot of people know about. And Africville was the settlement, this historic black settlement outside of Halifax, where the Halifax government essentially destroys by imposing all of these crazy things, like they would charge them taxes and not give them like like city services, like garbage pickup or paved roads or anything. And then they would open businesses like the dump there and fertilizer plants. And they like stole land from them so they could build like a, a railway. And essentially the people of, of Africville were forced, it was forced to like be like demolished. And they're supposed to, they were forced to be removed from it. And they moved them out of the city with um, like literal garbage, like actual garbage trucks. Yeah. Like, that's what I read is. your post yeah. when you said that. And I was, I did not know that. It yeah. was like, it's yeah. gobsmacking. Yeah. And no, nobody knows that we never see anything. We never see a CBC series on that, but we'll see. But I, in the post, I talked about how like we'll see Anne of Green Gables all the time, but we don't ever hear anything about, we'll, we'll know everything about a fictional white girl, but know nothing about actual black Canadian people. Yeah. I just kind of feel like, as a black person in Canada, we're treated like we're just new here, and we're not really part of the conversation because we're new here, and we're such a minority, and because of that, we don't deserve representation in the media and arts here. And knowing that my family goes back in this country maybe like 600 years, which is more than most white people I know go back yeah. in this country. Yeah. I don't know what to do about it. I yeah. mean, like... I think that a lot of the media here really needs to be held accountable. And not only, like, from what I've seen with certain organizations here is that they only ever boost people who will not, like, retaliate against their problematic actions, but are also in line with their weird, like, white settler agenda. So they will portray a, like kind of like a stereotypical form of their culture 
to their to on their network or on whatever, and then the organization will then do that. Will then like portray that and be like, oh, look at this is them, and then be like, oh. Like, they're doing it, so it's fine. And also, at the same time, be like, oh, we have this person, so we are we are diverse, and we are this. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I've been in those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in case anyone needs to hear another voice saying, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, it's just, like, so crazy. Um, there's, like, I don't even know. Like, in, I know in Canada, there's only really two senior like screenwriters well in the comedy scene at least there's only like two senior black screenwriters that i know of at least there's brandon hackett and aisha brown that's the only two that i know of and it's very hard for a lot of people of color to get into those spaces because we're only seen like there's only seen as like one spot and they don't want to have somebody that has that spot because then they're like, Oh, we already have this. We don't need this. But then they'll have like the same five white people in everything. Another thing that. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Another thing that also really annoys me is that there are people that are known to be problematic and are known to be like, who have done certain stuff and they'll still be working and they'll still be given chances and forgiven. And if known and like not a lot of opportunities are given to voices like myself or other people. Yeah. Yeah. And to support new and different voices. And it feels like, it feels like maybe one of the scariest things is the idea of having to support a voice you don't understand. Uh Yeah. Because People will be laughing and you won't get the joke and, like, you're not used to that feeling or something. Something that I've observed is that there will be white people who have the same credits as me. Um, I might even have same, the more credits than them. And they will be offered, like, positions on stuff without having to really, like, audition or submit to it. But then when I'm asked to, like, be a part of it, they're like, oh, can you please submit? So I'm just like... Like, why are you not asking them for a submission, but you're asking me for a submission? And I have that the same literally credits. Happened. That's literally happened to me. Yeah, it's the same. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And that's why I have not applied or tried to apply for so many shows that I see in Canada. Because I'm just like, no, like, this is whack. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, if yeah. you're going to not make them do the work, then let I'm not going to do the work either. Yeah, it's really hard because then, I mean, getting in those spaces. And when, also, when I say I've experienced that, I've experienced being hired without having to submit, is what yeah. I'm saying, to be clear. Yeah. I just want to make that clear to the listeners. I, again, this has happened to me. I have, I have sidestepped a lot of these processes. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't always understand the machinery that's brought uh-huh. me to that place, but it's certainly operating, whatever it is. Something that I've you observed know. is, um, it's always that I need to submit further evidence of my, of my like, credibility and my talent. So, like, an example was, I remember we were, me and my friend were pitching, we're trying to pitch a show, and we were sending it to um, certain, like, higher-ups or whatever. And we were given these emails by, like, a, one, a senior white screenwriter. And they told me that that they were like, oh yeah, just send it to them. When I sent them the stuff, they read it, they did they and they liked it. They didn't say anything, and then I'll co-sign for you. So then they did that, but then the only res- the response that we got was, oh, 
yeah, before we really do anything, we really need to see your resumes. And then maybe we can have a conversation from there. So then we sent them our resumes and they just never responded to us. And I was just like, what is that? Yeah. And they told me that they're like, oh, I never had to submit a resume. And we're like, because you're white. Yeah. 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 And this is, it's also, and thank you for sharing these stories because it's really important that we, if as white people in this industry, sit and listen and understand this. Mm -hmm. And it's been shocking to me, some of the conversations I've had over the past couple days with other white people, like, I I know that there's shit I can't know. I know that. Uh But also, like, I'm having arguments with people on levels that I didn't think we had to discuss anymore. Yeah. 100%. Like, right now, I am in the... Like, I'm about to release my comedy album, and I'm going to be the first gay Black Canadian to release a comedy album in Canada. So, right now, what I'm seeing is that some certain organizations are asking me, are asking them, like, oh, can we see some of his stuff? Because we've never, like, heard of him before. And I know that, one, they haven't heard of me because they haven't been checking for me because of my identities and then two they want to make sure that i'm good enough and see if i'm good enough to deserve these things and it's interesting because i've been watching like my white queer counterparts and when they were the first to do something they were just like essentially been like oh they were given like all of these opportunities and they didn't have to go through as many hoops as i've had to like i also like i started the first um like queer people of color comedy show in canada and going through that, like, I think people just thought that, like, like I got all of this press from it. And it wasn't, I, I didn't get all of this press because, like, these nice white people heard about it. And, like, were like, oh, like, this is so interesting. Like, I had to, like, fight for that press. I had to message people. I had to use, like, like people that I, white people that I knew with power to, like, co-sign for me in order to get those opportunities. And that's, like, what a lot of, like, being in this industry here as a person of color is it's having to get white people powerful white people to co-sign for you in order for you to get anywhere yeah and some of some of them will evade you and they won't want to even co-sign for you for who knows what reason a hundred percent it's like it's really weird that i have achieved all i have in canada and i still do not have representation and in america i I have representation (laughs) So it's just, like, it's weird. Like, we talk about how, like, America's like this, but their entertainment industry is way more inclusive of voices like mine than the one here. Because in the one here, they only want one of those people, someone like me in the writer's room. And, well, I mean, they still do that in the States, but it's just like, oh, if you already, someone already, someone like you already occupies that space, you ain't gonna be there. Yeah. Yeah, and the argument in... In Canada, because we have such a small population, is like, you know, it's going to be on TV while farmers are coming home from whatever. Uh-huh. The thing is... And we don't want to make them uncomfortable or yeah. something. Well, we need it's, to make them uncomfortable and we need to I make know. them aware of our history. Because there's, again, there's so many stories that we do not know. And it's also like, we've seen the overwhelming response of certain shows. Like, certain shows in Canada have gone gotten big international like kim's convenience Shits creek working moms um baroness von sketch so it's not like we need to create 
shows specifically for Canada. And doesn't Canada also make most of its money from international, like licensing their shows to internationally? So it's just like, it doesn't make sense why voices like this aren't being told. Like, like, for example, um, I listened to RuPaul's podcast and RuPaul knows, watches Letterkenny. So if someone like really? RuPaul can watch Letterkenny, why can't there be a show about Africville and some white person in America know about Africville through this show being licensed to like Netflix or some other network? Yeah. Absolutely. If we're getting like murder stories from Iceland. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't understand the machinery well enough. I'm relatively new to pitching and I've been feeling those same things. I don't mm -hmm. know that Canada does make most of its money from export, but someone told me that, but I don't know could. if it's true. That's a legend. I don't it could be right. Uh -huh. But I'm just saying if somebody if RuPaul can know about Letterkenny, somebody in the States can know about some white person in the States can know about like Africville or or something like that. Absolutely. Um, uh, okay, so this <laughs> this podcast is ostensibly about hope, although it's really changed yeah. quite drastically uh -huh. over the uh -huh. course of of the year or the few months that we've been operating. Um, what's your relationship to the notion of hope? Um, I feel like it's like it comes in waves for me, where sometimes I've just like completely given up the person that like like recently the sense of hope that i have been getting is from Dwayne perkins like Dwayne, if you do not know who Dwayne perkins is Dwayne perkins is a writer is a very funny stand-up and it was a writer or is a writer on brooklyn 99 and he's a very amazing person and i've been listening to his podcast and he's been talking about navigating the world as a black gay man in the end a black gay male comedian in the entertainment industry because mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry there has never really been uh, a, a very successful gay comic even like white so it's even harder when you're also gay and black and listening to him speak and like hearing some of his wisdom has really like given me perspective and like kind of restored my hope in a lot of things because like prior to like maybe earlier this year, I was like in a really bad place and I was just like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah. And then after listening to some of his podcast interviews and what he did with um, the second city thing, I'm just like, Oh, I'm feeling a lot more hopeful these days. And that's also because some I've, when I started, or when I started, for a very long time, I was the only gay black male comedian that I knew about. So yeah. I didn't have anyone to look to, to like, 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 how do I do this? Like, what do I do? Like, I don't know how to do this. There's nobody I can go to for advice or whatever. And then now I feel much more hopeful because I have that. So, but based on this inspiration, like, what are your next steps? What are the things you feel like you can do? And you felt like you couldn't do anything so recently. I think I'm just going to just kind of be, like, unapologetically myself and, and stop trying to play this game all the time. It's just that, like, in Canada, we're so... All of us are, like, are like trying to get these scraps of opportunities yeah. And I'm just like, I'm done with it. And I think I'm just going to do 
my own thing and see what happens. Like when I did that with my show, The Ethnic Rainbow, I got like such a big response. So now it's like, I need to do that with myself and like actually like advocate and like speak up so people know that they can't act like this anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm still scared about that because I'm 42 and Mm -hmm. I'm still seeing these. I, 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 I really, really hope that people in power are listening. Uh-huh. And I hope that they can understand this. But I operated on a lot of idealism and I have no money now. Yeah. And I hope it's changing, but like it still scares me. I still kind of want to tell people to play the game a bit. Uh-huh. Even though it's sick and broken and disgusting. Yeah, I know. I know that we have to play the game and we have to do all of this stuff. And I don't know. Right now I'm done with playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, I was in a situation um, in a writer's room where there was this guy who I was just like in a position of power, really, really a problem or behaving in problematic ways. And um, I asked myself at one point, like, what is it that he has other than some other person who could be in this position right now? Yeah. And the one thing that I felt like was his his actual really great skill was that he didn't make the other white men, straight white men around him uncomfortable. Yeah. He reinforced their feeling of they were correct. So was this person a straight white man? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I just mean like I couldn't figure out. I was just like so many people who could do this job. And like, you know, I'm in those positions recommending people with what little I know, but just like kind of realizing like, that's the skill that's being invested in. Yeah. So is it's like, are you going keep... to make me uncomfortable? Yeah. And and also I feel like comedy and performance ah. is essentially uncomfortable. Like laughter can be a stress response. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Why are we so why are we so devoted to this notion that like I, I have think no we... idea. There was this has come up so much on the podcast recently. Jordan Foisey's talked about it, and um, and Tim Baltz. Um, but like, we just need to understand our discomfort. And like, the events of the last week are really saying like, well, a bunch of people have already been uncomfortable. And like, you said something. I watched your um, oh, I watched your Instagram live with yeah. uh, Andrew Johnston, and you just said like, white people are saying they're tired. Like, you just got here. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's I. That's it. How, it's like yeah. That's how I feel. Like, that's how I do feel. That's honestly how I feel. Yeah. And I heard it loud and clear because yeah. I'm like, I feel tired all the time. But, I mean, the whole pandemic also made me feel tired. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, this thing where it's like realizing that, like, you, f- you feel like this big sea change is happening. And it is insofar as, like, change is happening people are listening messages are getting platforms they didn't before it's not enough it's not done but like it's happening but on the other hand like this is just another day for the people who've been living like that the whole time yeah living with discomfort and fear so much yeah so much there's like the constant fear that we have to to do like i really want to speak out more and call things out but i also know that if i do do that i probably risk um, having my album essentially like, like, like blacklisted and, and like, really? I won't be able to do what I need to do with these, this album. Like I plan on when I'm releasing my album, giving like a bunch of the, 
the money from it to specifically like black and indigenous trans and two spirited organizations, because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's my duty to do that as like a queer leader in this community. So yeah, I want to try to make a difference. Let's hope other people can make a difference. If I can do it, other people can do it too. I mean, that's amazing. And also you're so young and like a lot of people at your stage in their careers, a lot of like the white dudes I know were still just like fucking around and yeah. like getting mad that they couldn't tell rape jokes. Yeah. And you I'm know? just like, nope. I think it's also because I, again, I went to Humber and so much of Humber, of my experience at Humber, taught me about what this industry is like and what I was going to face. So from a young age, I had to face all of this. And I think that's why I am much more further along in terms of this as some of my my other counterparts or yeah. my contemporaries or whatever that you say. Um. Absolutely. Is is there anything right now that you're doing to like, what are you doing to take care of yourself? I think what I've been doing to take care of myself is like writing a lot of these posts because I just have so much of this anger and I have so much of this like knowledge of things. And I just, it makes me feel a lot better when I do share it and people That's respond amazing. to it. Well, it's great. And the history lessons are fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Brandon, what do you... What do you want next? What can people do? Or also just say out loud what the dreams are and let's see. (laughs) Um, Like, what do I want next, like career-wise or in like... Yeah, anything. I want my album to do really well. I want my album to win a Juno Award or something. Um, Yeah, I want to finally get the recognition in this country that I feel like I actually, that I deserve and I've been working for for a long time and haven't gotten what what jobs do you want? I don't necessarily want a job. Like, I would love to have my own show and just be, like, recognized as a talent. And I don't feel like that has happened yet. What kind of show would you want? I don't know. I would want a show. But I don't even know if it, it would not be on a Canadian network. I don't feel like it would work on a Canadian network. I would want some sort of, like, half-hour dramedy on, like, a network like HBO and Showtime, similar in the same vein to, like, something like Nurse Jackie or Weeds or something like that. Oh, Weeds. Yeah. <laughs> something where it's just, like, there's, like, a questionable, like, like an, an anti-hero type character. I don't know. I always liked those shows, but... I like the idea of you, st- a reboot of Weeds starring you. With me, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just line for line. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I would love to play Mary Louise Parker's role of... I forgot her name, but... um, I forgot wh- it until you just said it. What was her it. name? I know her name's Mary Louise Parker. I watched all of this this show and I can't remember her name. Oh, wow. Oh, the character's name? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I watched it a very long time ago. It started to get weird to me because I, I got really like upset by how much... The way she would drink those like ice lattes all the time. She was just like, I need... This. I'm gonna Mary Louise Parker. I need to know. And I bet you like people listening to this are gonna be like, it's blah 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm just like, because I do that all the time when I listen to podcasts and they're just like, who is that? What's that? Who is that? Do you want to look it up or do you want to Nancy Botwin? Nancy Botwin. That's her name. Did Nancy, you remember it? Nancy Botwin. No, I just saw it on IMDb. <laughs> oh gosh. I never finished that. What like 
And what shows are you watching right now that you really like? I've just been, I haven't been watching a lot of shows. I've been watching a lot of, I've been doing a lot of research when writing all of these posts. Um, the show that I really, I'm, I, I like watching is RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and now they're doing All Stars, what is it, five, I think? And I Yeah, I've, I watched last night. Did you watch last night? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that show. That's what I've really been watching. Um, I've been also just doing like a, I've been showing my, my grant, we got a smart TV and now you we have like access to YouTube and all of these other apps through my um through my can you guys hear the can you hear the the uh lawnmower outside? I mean, I can't, but maybe it'll be on the recording. Oh, well, guys, I'm sorry. Somebody is lawn mowing. My grandmother was complaining about it this morning, and she was like, somebody got a new lawn mower, and they've been losing it all morning. They're so happy about it. Uh, <laughs> it's an excuse but, to get outside, yeah. I guess. So I've just been showing my grandmother a lot of things. Um, I We watched all of Lindsay Lohan's old movies, and it was really <laughs> nice to see, because, like... Rewatching like Parent Trap, like I realize how talented Lindsay Lohan is. Yeah. And I don't know. I hope that she can eventually come back because she's truly one of the most talented actresses of my generation. Um, so I've watched all of that. Uh, what else have I Did watched? Did you watch Mean Girls? I, we haven't watched Mean Girls. Um, well, Mean Girls is fun because some people you know show up in it. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, so many of people. Yeah, um, like I know Jan Caruana's yeah, in it. Jan Caruana, everyone loves. I used um, to love Dave, that character. David Real, I don't know if you know him. Oh, I don't know. I gotta rewatch it and look him up and figure that out. He's um, Glenn Coco, but oh, he's Glenn Coco. Oh, I, I have used to, I've had such a crush on him for so long. Because I remember good, he was the voice on Beyblades, and he was interviewed on YTV. And I remember finding him very attractive as a <laughs> as a ten year old. I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear yeah. that he is. He is a fantastic actor. Is and he really married? Wonderful person. I don't know. I don't think so. Is he? Is he? Is he? Is he? Is I don't he, think so. Is he? Oh man! Oh. You never know, and I don't think I flat out asked, but I don't think so. <laughs> well, if you're reading this, or if you're watching this, not reading this. If you're listening to this, actually, I'm getting them all wrong. If you're listening to this, sir, I'm down. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to forward this to Dave Riel so that he listens to it. <laughs> it's quarantine. You got to wait until the bubbles double. But the bubbles, the bubbles bubble. Oh lord! How do you like being alone right now? I um, mean, well, not alone, I'm, but well, I'm with my grandmother um, right now. My boyfriend's dog is at my house, and like I kind of liked it because I was staying with my boyfriend for the first part of it and he lives in a one in like a studio a small studio apartment in like the heart of downtown and it became very like taxing and draining for both of us so and i wasn't like i felt like i wasn't like looking into myself and being like introspective because i was just like trying to cater to both of our deeds all the time but now that i've been like at my grandmother's house again and like in my own room and having my own space i feel like Amazing. I feel like this is kind of what I've needed for a long time because mm. I have been going nonstop for years. Like before all of this happened, I got super, super, super sick and I lost the ability to hear from some sort of sinus thing that I think may have been COVID. 
Really? Uh-huh. Like, I lost the ability to hear, and then I lost the ability to taste and smell. Oh. And yeah, that's a telltale I was, sign. And I was like, I might have COVID. Like, my eustachian tubes filled with um, fluid, and they wouldn't move, so I couldn't hear anything. And it sounded like I was underwater the entire time. And, yeah, so I Whoa. took a break from comedy, like, to try to get better and see and see what was happening. And then as I was in my break, this quarantine happened. And I feel like it's really like revitalized me and like re-inspired me. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It, it's, this is another thing that's come up a lot. Like the sort of the, the pause and the hustle. Yeah. Is it's kind of, it has its benefits as an enforced yeah. thing. Yeah, it's just that, like, I've been bonding. I've learned things about my grandmother that I ha- I never learned before. Like, we were, we got, like, the smart TV, and she was, she's discovered YouTube, and she was watching these Trinidadian gardeners talk about their gardens and give us tours of their gardens. And she was, like, kind of giving me, like, an education of, like, what this plant is, what it is used for her culture, and, like, what it means. And I've never had that before. And I learned something about my Trinidadian heritage that I I never did before. Whoa, cool. Yeah. How do you feel about performing online? I like it. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I've done a couple shows and they've gone over very well. I think that... I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I like it. I think it's just like, I never thought that I would be able to do stand up in my, from my bed in my room. And now I am like, I did a CBC gala for, for CBC gem for the, um, we're funny that way festival. Uh-huh. And, uh, that comes out June 26th. At, like, 8 p.m. on CBC Gem, if y'all want to check it out. And I had cool. such a, like, positive experience doing it. So far, it's it's been fun, and, yeah. I'm excited yeah. to see what it's like and how it's going to, like, what the future of this is going to be. Well, it can't stay like this forever, but maybe we'll yeah. keep some elements of this. I mean, one of the things that I like is um, the sort of lowered expectation with makeup and hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, watching the nightly news um, and just being like... Yeah, these news anchors are doing their own hair. They're just like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing with our own hair. Like, There's you something really nice like, and human about it. What's been happening with the RuPaul's Drag Race, and RuPaul's just been wearing a mask. Yeah, just been yeah. wearing a mask. Okay. It's so weird. I, I um, I I have to find a picture of it to post. But like, so I watched the uh, the reunion show, and then in the finale of the the season. In the reunion show, I was like, okay, weird. He's wearing he's wearing this weird mask. And and then I was like, I guess this is just a thing now. Because what is it like? He can't do his own makeup and he doesn't get retouching? Yeah, I guess he, he doesn't get retouching the lighting. Because he doesn't do his own makeup. He hasn't done his own makeup for... Since he became RuPaul, it was Matthew Anderson, who is like this very famous makeup artist. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the work that he's done. If you've ever watched the ex ex girl ex girlfriend by no doubt music video, he did the makeup for that. Um, but Matthew Anderson disappeared, and we don't know exactly what happened. Supposedly, he had syphilis in his brain, what? And as a result, went crazy, and now um, he lives in some sort of like mental facility. Um, what? And his successor was Raven. Raven, yeah. Because um, Matthew was a very huge fan of Raven's work. And yeah, so Raven is the new 
is his makeup artist now. And yeah, but she's she's on quarantine, so she can't do it for him. <laughs> RuPaul can't pull strings and like force Raven to quarantine. With I think him. he doesn't want to because uh, he I think he did his own makeup back in the day when he was on Project Runway for an episode. I don't know if you remember uh-huh. this episode and people made so people have it resurfaced like a couple years ago and people just like made so many memes with it. So I think he's just like, I'm just not going to even touch his face. But then I also heard from somewhere that he got a facelift and he's like in recovery from it. So that's why he's covering up his face or something. I don't know. I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what the truth is. What's, um, what are your sources for gossip these days? Uh, what have I been looking at? All the time my grandmother will watch like ET Canada or ET. Uh, and what else? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I'll just see things on like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Twitter has been a big one. The really big source of gossip that's happened recently was, um, I don't know if you know who, do you know who Leah Michelle is? Did you ever watch Glee? Uh, I, I, I'm a bit old for that. I saw a couple yeah, episodes, yeah. but I did hear about this stuff. Yeah, I didn't so, actually go too deep into it. So Yeah, Leah Michelle just got called out by one of the former cast members and two of the um, other Glee alumni, Amber Riley and Alex Newell, who are very amazing black talents. And I encourage you to look up their work, especially the work of Alex Newell. He's one of the most amazing singers of our generation. Well, also so is, is Amber Riley. But... Yeah, they both co-signed her. And then Heather Morris, who played um, another character on Glee, who was this white lady. Um, she also was just like, she was very difficult. Leah Michelle was very difficult to work with. And I've heard stuff about this from like years ago from people that I met in LA that she has a really bad reputation. But um, I'm glad that she is being called out. Yeah. And I hope <laughs> Ryan Murphy makes the adjustments he needs to make in his casting and not putting people through that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's hard to know in casting, but it's not hard to see it happening when it's happening. Yeah. I keep thinking about all the people who are sitting at home right now, just shaking in their boots that they're going to get called out because it's, and it's, it's good whether you do or don't. And I mean, I'm one of those people where I'm thinking back on all the things that I've done that are not okay. And I'm like, it's okay to have a reckoning. Yeah. You know, um, and and the people who are doing truly, truly terrible things, it's like, yeah, sit in that fear. Think about those things. Think about those things. And also, if you get called out, like, make adjustments. Try to be a better person. Don't try to just, like, do it. Or, like, I've already started doing the work. Or, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what to say to these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're saying a lot, and I think it's extremely helpful and generous. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, now there's now there's noise at my place. Um, my neighbors have two kids, and like in isolation, just mm-hmm. hearing them kind of screaming and running around is one of the things that makes me the happiest. You're just like, aww. Yeah, just like there's life, and it's like a little bit of a reminder that, you know to like pull my head out of Twitter now yeah. and then and it's like okay and good to like so, hear kids laughing. Have you been on th- on the internet this entire time in quarantine because I took like a 2 month break. Uh yeah, I have. And looking at different sources, I've on and off had work 
that's news-based mm-hmm. um, during this time. So I took little breaks here and there, but I would get extremely anxious if I took too long away from the news. And it, I'm really, I'm really wrestling with how much of it is, you know, there are messages like do the work, educate yourself. So there's a part of me that just goes, oh, I should d- dedicate every waking hour yeah, to I'm this. just like I'm just like so yeah, I have to like 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 log out sometimes for a bit. Like sometimes yeah. my phone will die and I'm just like I'm just going to let it be dead. Yeah. I'm just going to let it be I'm, dead all day. I'm learning to like step away. But the other thing is like yeah, I've been on the internet this whole time. I've become so inactive. Um my body's changing and like the other day I ran up the stairs um after doing laundry and was I didn't even run. I like walked briskly up this up one flight of stairs and I was winded. You were winded? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, yes, I have to educate myself, but I also can go up for a walk for an hour a day. Yeah. Like I was that level of kind of yeah. I was walking a lot too. And then everything has happened and I've just been like in a like weird mood about it that I haven't been doing it, but I, I'm going to try and walk, start walking again. But it's also been very <laughs> sunny and I've also been like, very conscious of my skincare regime, regime, whatever it's called. And this is because um, I shaved in quarantine. And this was the first time I had shaved in maybe like five years. Mm-hmm. And my face was like, like I looked like a teenager and I was just like, oh my God, like, whoa, I did not know that I had this. I did not know. Like you also look very young. Thank like you. I did not know you were 42. I thought you were <laughs> like 27 or something. Yeah, right. And You're No, I'm serious. Like I'm serious. I'm serious. I have no <laughs> idea. You're you're not you're unclockable. Um, I don't know what you're doing, but I need to do it. So I've just been when I've been walking now, I walk around with an umbrella and I wear all this sunscreen and just to like preserve my skin and make sure that I stay young and, and look young. Well, I don't know why we have this obsession with looking young. Being young is annoying. Um but I know, but well, you know what? They're taking care of your skin is good. Like I, yeah, yeah, you, you I'm start to get skin, skin cancer if you do, if yeah. you don't, you know. So I've just been like doing that, and sometimes people laugh at me because I'm walking around with an umbrella, and I'm just like, you ain't gonna be laughing when you look sixty-two, and I still look twenty-something. Brandon, I love the image of you walking around with a parasol, yeah. and I, I will tell you, this is my secret: is that I just don't this. I don't like the sun. I live yeah. a vampire lifestyle, and. A, if you're lurking in the shadows, no one can see your wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> Good and advice. Be like, yeah. Good advice. So this is, yeah, that's my, what are your skincare tips? Parasol and what's the rest of your skincare so regimen? So what I do is I, I use a lot of oils, but like oils that are not, what is the word? Comedogenic. And so I use. Carcinogenic? Comedogenic. Com- I can't say the word. Comed. How do you pronounce it? I don't Um, know the word. Comed, I don't know how to say it. Basically, it's like oils or creams that are more likely to have, that are on a scale of, will they clog your your pores and give you pimples to to not? Like, are they able to, like, act, like, be more moisturizing and not just, like, like, Vaseline is very, like, will give you acne and, like, make you break out because it clogs your pores. Well, something like a rosehip oil is very moisturizing, but it doesn't clog your pores. Oh. So what I use is I use a moisturizer. Um, I occasionally will use like a chemical exfoliant. Oh. 
then I, but usually every day I'll wash my, my face in the morning and I'll wash my face in the night. And then after that, I'll put on a vitamin E oil. Uh huh. And then I will put on like some sort of organic shea butter just on my face. I use mango butter on my body because it's, um, it's more likely to clog the pores on your face, but shea butter isn't. And then, uh, yeah. And then I put on a layer of sunscreen over that. And then I also use an under eye cream. And then in the night, I essentially do the same thing, but I add, um, a vitamin A oil to that. You must smell incredible. Sometimes. I haven't been doing it recently, but like when there's some photos of me when I shave and you'll be like, oh, damn, like he's radiant. I want to see pictures of you. I've, I've made my own face oil that I use after the shower. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. you can try some if you'd like. But I made my own recipe years ago. What is, it, I, what is, what is your recipe? Are you willing to oh, share? I forget. I wrote it down, but I, it's like there's almond oil, there's calendula. The almond oil is really good. Evening primrose is in there. That's supposed to be really uh, good. The the smell profile I like is like heavy lavender, then just a tiny bit of rose and a tiny bit of rose geranium. That's the smell I like. I've also heard about that as women get older, they like the smell of roses more. And I, I tour definitely reports that I, sm- I smell like a big pile of roses too much. I've heard bit. about like evening <laughs> primrose, but I've heard that it's like, it's something that can mainly only be used by women or something because of the level of estrogen or something in it. Like, I don't know. I keep, whenever I go to the health food store, I always see like evening primrose, women's health. And I'm just like, Ooh, what is that? I want to try it. And then I read something about it. With it's like bad that. for men? Or like something like that. Like it has a lot of estrogen in it. I don't know. Is that bad? I, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So I've heard about soy too, that soy has a lot of estrogen in it and and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Should we just, can we just um, exchange beauty tips once a week, please? Yeah, we'll just do like a a beauty. Oh, I forgot to say that I also use a a toner. I use this like, what is it called? Dr. Something's rose water toner. I use that on my face after I wash my face. Dr. Thayer's? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that. Yeah, I have I have their witch hazel. And I lo- yeah, I use I love the it. witch hazel rose water one, and um, I also use uh, what are they called? The ordinary products. They have this thing called buffet, and it's like uh, it has like all these like moisturizing things that help things like get moisturized into your skin. And I use that sometimes too. Oh, this is great! What, what do you do for <laughs> deodorants? Um. Oh. Okay. I I weirdly very off brand. I use an absolute chemical antiperspirant that, and maybe you'll appreciate this. I can only find in Europe. <laughs> Where do you, how do you get it? You import it? Well, I used to, I used to either I would travel enough or friends from Europe would come visit enough that I would always ask them to bring me deodorant. And actually right now during quarantine, um, a friend of mine is, is putting a package together for me from Germany. Oh my God, that's so funny. Right now, I, for the last several years, I've been using this thing called Zian Health Clay Dry Deodorant. And it's like... <gasps> I've heard. It's not... It doesn't have anything in it. It's very, 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 very thick. So okay. I remember I recommended it to Catherine Naker. And I didn't tell her that you have to kind of wet it before you apply it. <laughs> And she put it on and it, like, essentially, like, tore off some of her underarm skin. 
Oh, no. I thought just, you like, were going to say it just clumped up on her. It just, like, dries up. It does clump up if you have, like, hairy underarms. But I like it because it's, like, very thick. And um, it doesn't smell bad. It makes you, like, not smell bad. And, like, it's very... Because of how thick it is, sometimes you'll, like, wash your underarms and it will still be there and it will still oh act God. like a deodorant and like you don't have to worry about like reapply it. Like you can still see it on you? You can't see it but you can still but you can smell it. Okay, okay. Okay, I see what you mean about thick. <laughs> because I don't know, have you gone through a phase of trying one of those crystals? I've never tried the crystals. I've tried other natural deodorants and they then I just work. find that they don't last that long. No, they don't work. But this one is and- a natural deodorant and I think it works well. And right now, I'm just sort of, like, being stinky until my husband tells me it's too much. He's like, it's too much. Take a shower. And you're like, okay. Yeah, honestly, sometimes, you know, you get to a point in a relationship where you could just say, like, I love you, but you stink right now. Or, like, just tell me when I stink and that's when I'm going to clean myself I tell that to my boyfriend enough. all the time. I saw him uh, <laughs> last – I hadn't seen him for, like, a month. Um, and then I came over to his house and – he has not shaved or anything since quarantine, and it's just, like, out of control. And I was just like, you need to, like, do something. Like, you can't live like this. <laughs> well, especially now that you've revealed your, like, wonderful, beautiful skin yeah, under that beard. like, he was, like, um... Like, I saw, like, he was wearing, like, this shirt, and it was covered in dog hair, and it was wrinkly, and I was just like, what are you... Like, what are you doing? You can't do this. <laughs> and he was like, I can tell that you still... You still do on camera stuff because you still you look camera ready and i was just like yeah yeah (laughs) this has been another thing in in thing is that i've grown out my hair if you people who know me i've always had very short hair recently i was bald and that was because i was losing my hair but then i started taking finasteride and all of my hair grew back really like a year and some yeah and it's like amazing and i'm not shaving it but i've been like I, my parents don't have hair texture that's similar to mine, so none of them really knew how to deal with my hair texture, so I had a lot of, like, bad information and used a a lot of bad products, but recently I've been discovering, like, black hair products and, like, what to use, and my hair has been really nice as a result of it for the first time in my life. What are you using? So, I use these products by Shea Moisture. And if you have curly hair, like, I recommend them. So, uh, my hair tends to be very dry. And, like, it gets very, like, matted. Or not matted, like, tangled. So, what I Uh use is this thing called... I think it's, um... What is it called? It has... It's, like... It's made with kelp. Like, sea kelp and something else. And I find that it adds all of this, like, volume to my hair. And also, a lot of the time when I, like, would put, like, my head down on, like, a flat surface, like, a bed or something like that, it would, like, stay, like, flat. But when I right. use this product, it, like, bounces back or it's easier to, like, b- like bring back from being flattened. Oh. Will you send me a picture after we're done? I will send you a picture. I want to see what you look like kind of with your hair situation on your face reversed. With reverse. Well, right now my beard has grown back. I haven't shaved oh, I in uh, since then. But I think I'm going to shave again soon. Okay, I want to see Because I liked it. I liked the <laughs> feeling of the youth. I'm just like, ooh. Ooh. You know, yeah, it's a bit sick that we, like, idealize youth. But also, Brandon, yeah. just yeah. take it while you have yeah. it. I remember my what, that's what, that's what I hurting. think, too. That's what I think, too. Like, 
<laughs> use it while you flaunt it while you got it. Like when I was 23, I went back to school and my program all had just like a bunch of like 17 year olds and none of them knew that I wasn't their age. And I remember they were just like, Oh, if you want to come to my party, my brother will get us alcohol. You just have to give me money. And I'll just be like, <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. This was a really fun conversation. Um, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook at Brandon Ash Muhammad, and they can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Barack Obama one. It is spelled <laughs> B E A R B A C K one as in the number one, the numeral one. Yeah. The um, numeral. Yeah. Um, it's every one of these conversations just um, brightens my isolated life so much. Yes. And that's great. And I think, um, I think we got some good stuff to share with people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Betty. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. BH Word Podcast is a proud member of the Shop family of productions. Follow the shop on Instagram at the shop underscore TO. Artwork this week by Becca Zwick, and our theme music is always by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H Word Pod or sign up for our newsletter at the H Word Pod.com. <laughs>